0: you think you know something about a podcast you know nothing about a podcast Welcome to our Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio, aka the Bald Man Homebrewer. Let's get this brew session started. So sit back, relax, listen, and have a homebrew or two. Welcome, everyone, to a Beer Best Served podcast. Well, let's start this off right. <laughs> well, I slapped myself because I re-listened to all my past podcasts and noticed, my God, how dumb can you get? For myself, pretty dumb. <laughs> I have been saying that this is a Beer Better Served podcast multiple times. In fact, in my little spiel about Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, which is my favorite brewing supplies, I of course say, tell them that a Beer Better Served podcast sent you. And if you looked for me on whatever podcast system you use, you of course will never find me under a Beer Better Served. You will always find me under a Beer Best Served. So, I deserve the slap, and I tell you, if I use better, (laughs) I'm going to take a dollar bill, and I'm going to put it in a five-gallon bucket, and I would willing to wager, based on my history, (laughs) that by the end of 2021, I'll have a bucket full of dollar bills. But I'm going to go ahead with confidence. I'm looking at the horizon, and it will be a success. So, it is beer best served That is the name of the podcast, Beer Best Served. My Facebook page is baldman, that's one word, homebrewing, that's one word. And then my email account is beerbestserved, one word, at gmail.com. So if you need to get a hold of me, leave me any comments, suggestions, ideas, like, hey, dude, uh, you keep saying better. You all buck to your bucket. <laughs> you can do that. So beer best served at gmail.com is the way that you can get a hold of me. Or leave a comment on my Facebook page. Today's subject, very exciting. We've been talking all about preparing for this day. Today is about brewing your very first batch of beer. And that is an exciting moment in any home brewer's life. Their very first batch of beer. You've done everything from buying the equipment to getting the ingredients that you're going to brew on your very first day, to cleaning and sanitizing the equipment that you're going to be using. And here you are with everything in front of you. How do you set up and get ready for yourself? So, you know, first thing, check your inventory. So we went over 10 simple items that you need for your very first brew day. That's a kettle, a spoon, a fermenting bucket, a fermenting bucket lid, an airlock, a thermometer, hydrometer, some extra items are muslin bags, funnel and screen, and an auto siphon with tubing. Have those items, inspect those items. You can do this the day before. Inspect those items, make sure they're clean, and the items that are gonna make contact with the wart, the morning of or just hours before you're going to use them, make sure they're cleaned and sanitized. So things like the kettle and the spoon and the muslin bags, they don't need to be sanitized, all right? But everything else will probably need to be sanitized. Anything that's gonna make contact with that cooled wort will need to be sanitized. All right, your inventory. You're gonna check your recipe. Try and look at it the day before. Look at how you're going to stage your ingredients. Especially the day of, before you even start heating up the water, make sure you've staged yourself. I like to use a kitchen counter or a kitchen table. All right. So what you're going to do is you're going to do it like a book. You're going to go from left to right and on on the left hand side of that table is everything you're going to use first. And when you work your way to the right, on the right side of the table is the items that you're going to use last. A secret that I like to have is like, for example, the items that you're going to use first, like the water and the uh, malt extract or the liquid extract, that's going to be on the left hand side of the table. The items you're going to use during your boil, I'll tell you, anytime you have an addition, and let's say some some instructions are you're going to add something at the 60-minute mark and you're going to add something at the 15-minute mark of a boil. So you're going to take it and at the very beginning when you start your boil, let's say it's a 60-minute boil, you're going to have a piece of paper with 60 or 60 minutes written on it and you're going to pile those ingredients that you're going to be adding or those additions that you'll be adding at that 60 minute mark. And then you move yourself to the right a little bit and you've got something you're going to add when there's only 15 minutes left in the boil. And again, you're going to have a piece of paper that has 15 or 15 minutes written on it and you're going to pile the ingredients or the additions you're going to have on that piece of paper ready to be added at that 15 minute mark. So that's how you stage your ingredients. And so when you begin your brew day, you start on your left, you're going to add that water and that extract, and then you've got it. bring it to a boil, and then you're going to start using those different ingredients, working your way from your left to your right. And so by the time you're done with your boil and you look at your countertop or your table, everything that was on that countertop or table should be in that kettle by the end of your boil. So. Things like the grains, the additional grains, or the um, the the yeah, the additional grains or the hops, you want to put those into those muslin bags, and you want to stage them along your 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 hop your your your, your boil route. So whatever time you're going to add it, have a piece of paper underneath it, marking the time that you're going to be putting it in into your boil, but have it prepared, have it in the muslin bag. All right. And you want to have those additional grains in that muslin bag. You want to have your hops in muslin bags so that they can be easily introduced into your wort, but more importantly, easily removed from your wort so that you don't have any complications of, you know, scooping and trying to catch those loose um, solid particulates that are in your wort. So put it in a muslin bag, have it staged and ready to go. So if you prepare... Especially if this is your very first brew, if you prepare the day before and you inspect all the equipment you're going to use, you don't necessarily have to stage into your kitchen and, you know, take up the dinner table just yet, but you want to just basically look at your inventory that you'll be using, visualize your brew day, and make sure that everything that you're going to be using in that equipment wise is cleaned and sanitized. You want to look at your inventory, look at your recipe, and look at your inventory and make sure that things are ready. You know, like, for example, hops normally are refrigerated, so you're going to keep those in the refrigerator, but make sure you have the right quantity. You don't want to come upon your brew day and find out that you're an ingredient short of something. So, check that recipe, make sure all the inventory is with it, and visualize your staging of it. So, the day of, you're already. ready. You sanitize the equipment that needs to be sanitized before you boil that first kettle of water or that, that, that first water. You want to make sure that all your ingredients are in their muslin bags and they're staged appropriately on your surface, on your table or your counter, and you're ready to go. So here you are. How does this happen? What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to give you uh, Charlie Papazin's simple formula for a very successful extract brew. Now, I give this to you as a gift because for myself, I should have read this damn thing because I just recently had a French rustic ale extract brew and I screwed it up. I didn't, you know, I I should have gone back to the basics and read Charlie's book, especially at this point, just so that I could, you know, do it better than I did. When I read this piece, I said, oh, I got to pass this on because this is just amazing information. It simplifies your life and it really will make your first homebrewing day a huge success. So this is from the complete joy of homebrewing, fully revised and updated third edition by Charlie Papazin, the godfather of homebrewing. On page 18, what are you going to do is the title. You're going for greatness. There are 10 steps. Listen carefully. Step one, Combine and dissolve your malt extracts and sugars if used in one and a half gallons or 5.7 liters of water and bring to a boil for 45 minutes. Step 2. Sanitize your fermenter with a weak household chlorine bleach and water solution. Later in the process, sanitize all equipment that comes in contact with the unfermented and fermented beer, the funnel, the thermometer, the hydrometer, the hose, the cork, fermentation lock, and all other equipment that touches the beer. Step 3. Add 3 gallons, 11.5 liters, of clean cold water to your clean and rinsed and sanitized fermenter. Step 4. Add your hot malt extract and water mixture to the fermenter. Step 5. When temperature is ideally below 75 degrees, Fahrenheit or 24 degrees centigrade, measure the specific gravity with your beer hydrometer and then add the yeast. Step six, attach fermentation hose and after initial fermentation has subsided, attach fermentation lock. Step seven, ferment for eight to 14 days. Step eight, bottle and cap. Step nine, age for 10 years. <laughs> I apologize. Age for 10 days. And step 10, drink the beer. My favorite. (laughs) 10 years. You're never going to enjoy your wares. You're going to be an old man or woman before you get to drink beer. So you age for 10 days. So you notice, you know, in his instructions, he, of course, mentions boil for 45 minutes. Your recipe may ask for 60 minutes. Do not worry about that. 45, 60. Boil it for 60 minutes. Follow the recipe. Again, I'm reading off his general guidelines probably for a recipe he's got in the book, but it's the simplest thing. You're going to bring your wart, your your malt extract in that water, that gallon and a half of water, to a boil. At which point that's the beginning of your boil. Okay? And you're going to add your additions timed on the boil. You're going to start at that mark, work your way all the way down to Uh, zero minutes left in the boil and hopefully by the time you've reached that point you have nothing on the table to add to that wart. When you've completed your boil, here's another secret that I want to give you. The day before or a couple days before, take those three gallons of water and put those into your refrigerator. Chill them down as cold as you can without freezing them. So stick them in your refrigerator and bring the temperature of that water down. Is it essential? No. Does it help? Yes, it will. It'll bring the temperature of your wart down dramatically and make it a little easier for you to reach that 75 degrees um, more effectively. It's 75 degrees is suggested. And most most ale yeast are around 75, 78 degrees, 24 degrees centigrade. You're looking for that that temperature zone there before you add the yeast. So that it work it does its job the best at that temperature. So again, You know, you're going to bring that wort to a boil. You're going to boil it for as long as your recipe add. You're going to add those additions as suggested by your recipe. You're going to add, you're going to, when you're done with your boil, you're going to pull it off the heat. You're going to use a pair of tongs, may I suggest, or your bare hands if you've got it. And you're going to take out those muslin bags that have any additional grains in them or the hops. Take those out, okay? Hang them over the wort, let it drain a little bit, and then put them into a container. I might suggest a bowl or another kettle. You just want to get them out of your way for a bit. So you're going to take those grain, take those muslin bags, hold them over your just boiled wort, I mean, and and let them drain for a bit, and then put them aside. That way you don't have large particulates floating in your wort that you have to deal with. And if you do run your wort through a strainer, into the, uh, the fermenting bucket. It'll help gather a lot of those larger particulates. That all being said, just remember, this is a relaxing process. There's no need to panic, and don't worry if, you know, you miss a step. For example, one of the good things to have with your recipe is make a copy of that recipe just so that you, the copy, you can write notes all over. Right. Or have a notebook and a sheet of paper. I mean, I have a piece of paper or a notebook and a pen so that you can write notes, things that come up, things that, you know, you found mentally challenging or physically challenging or you wish you could have changed, etc. Write all those notes down so that you have something to refer to at the end of your brew day, how things went well, how things could have gone better, etc. But write all those notes down and attach it to your recipe because, you know, there's nothing more exciting than looking at your very first brew, and how well it went, or how difficult it was, and compare it to the day today's or your 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 last brew or the the brew that you're doing two, three, four years later. Nothing more exciting. I still have my first sheet of paper with its notes on it, and it's fun to look at. How I made it so difficult for myself back in those days. And even then, just thinking about, you know, two weeks ago, how difficult I made it for myself, not reading Charlie's book and reviewing it. So your brew day can go extremely well. And again, all you really need to think about is preparing yourself for this moment in time when all you're going to be focusing on is cooking this, this wort and putting it eventually into a fermenting bucket. Because guess what? You don't get to, to, you know, taste your wares until. It's, you know, four weeks down the road, you know, a month down the road kind of thing. So again, prepare yourself, get yourself ready for this day. Look at the day before you're going to brew. Look at getting your equipment out, checking your inventory, looking at your ingredients, comparing it to the recipe, thinking about how you're going to use that equipment in your recipe. Visually start yourself up, but use those secrets. Stage yourself so that you're working from left to right, and by the end of your boil, you look at that table and everything has been put into that recipe and if you have a misstep don't worry keep moving forward with the boil keep moving forward the process just make a note on your notepad so that when you taste this beer four weeks later you can go like hmm that was interesting why did it taste like that and then you can go back to your notes and make that discovery you might have some general ideas and then of course if you're mentoring or buddying with someone and they're tasting your beer, they can go, hmm, I wonder why it's like that. You can refer to the notes and start your next brew day, um, you know, just as successful as your very first brew day. I hope this information helps, and I hope that you really do enjoy your very first brew day. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to email me at beerbestserved at gmail.com. Be glad to help you on your brew day, but have fun doing it, folks. Relax, enjoy. A beer is best served when you make it yourself. And remember Charlie's favorite saying, relax and have a homebrew. Oh, yeah, that smells good. What you cooking? Everyone, welcome to a beer best served podcast. Got that right, didn't I? <laughs> so, what is happening in Ermio slash aka stubby slash baldman home brewings life? Um, it's been a very active, very exciting last few weeks of getting myself into the brewing environment, getting ready for all this stuff. And of course, you know, a few days ago, I mean, a, a week or a couple of weeks ago, I did um, a French rustic ale extract brew. Um, a little while after that, just a few days ago, I had my friend Tony over and we brewed a, a French rustic ale all grain brew. And My beer shed's full of beer. I've got two five-gallon containers fermenting at this time. Um, The pail is looking good. The activity has definitely slowed down. We're nearly at the two-week mark, so I'm going to let that sit for another week before I transfer it into bottles. And the... um, the all grain version of the rustic French ale—it's looking very good. Activity has definitely slowed down on that one. Also, and that's got another two weeks before I put that into uh, its bottling bucket. So it'll be next week. I'll be putting um, my first the extract brew into bottles, and then the week in about a week and a three days after that, I'll be putting in the uh, uh, the rustic French ale, all grain version, into bottling buckets. Um, full disclosure, today I had a an unfortunate discovery while well, I was going to get some ingredients to brew tomorrow. I was going to start my Christmas beer, my um, uh, chocolate coffee porter um, and uh, or my coffee chocolate porter. I like to call it coffee chocolate porter. Um, I was ready to make that tomorrow. Unfortunately, I made this mental discovery that I had not started the yeast. I hadn't done a, I haven't, um, started my yeast starter. The last time I made this beer was the very first time that I created a yeast starter for my, um, coffee chocolate porter. And it made me realize, um, why am I saying coffee chocolate porter? You're such an idiot. (laughs) It is a chocolate coffee porter because it's dominated in cocoa and has a light chocolate coffee essence to it. So it's a chocolate coffee porter. (laughs) Say it again. Slap yourself. Anyways, it is a chocolate coffee porter. And the last time I made it, Edition 7, I had actually done a yeast starter. It was actually something I had just gotten into. was creating a yeast starter so I would have larger... Uh, you know more more yeast cells in order to produce a better beer. At least that was the theory, and I definitely feel it did. I thought my Christmas beer last year was the best um, Christmas beer I had made in the three years, three and a half years I had been brewing. So um, that being said, that of course has put a pause on this. I, since I was not, since I am not prepared to brew tomorrow, I'm actually going to push uh, my chocolate coffee porter off a week. And brew next week. Uh, I'm hoping at least my work schedule and my personal schedule will allow me to do that. But I am prepared. I've got all the ingredients to do that next week. So that's what's going on in Ermeo's, um brew world. Um, very excited about how the shed is working out. How everything is is happening here. In fact, I um you know when looking around and making discoveries, I'm going to be changing. Um, uh, I noticed that the water levels on my airlock on my pail are a little low so I'm going to take care of that um but again the uh the the glass carboy I'm watching the activity the beer is definitely clearing up beautifully it's looking very nice um and the you know as I've mentioned in podcasts in the past you know you never know what you're going to get until that day you get to pop that bottle open but activity Is expectedly low on both these. Um, You know, it's anticipated. In other words, the yeast have done their job. They've eaten the sugars. They created that robust activity. It's died down. And now uh, I'm just, it's a waiting game. Um, And uh, in both these cases, I'm waiting on the two rustic French ales. um, And I'll be excited to to give you a review on those. And of course, the chocolate coffee porter has been delayed a week or so. So I'll. Keep updating you on that. Um, And then I'm going to continue on with my thought process for the beginning of next year. I've been talking a lot about Pilsners. I'm also talking about the Cat's Meow. I'm very excited about digging into that catalog and creating uh, my um, December slash January beer for this um, late winter slash spring season. Um, So I'm very excited. Um, Beer is going to be abound in the... um, um, um stubby uh brew shed and uh, I hope to be able to tell you a lot about those adventures. So um please keep listening up and uh if you have any questions, comments, concerns, don't hesitate to contact me at my proper <laughs> email um slash Facebook page. So again, my Facebook page is Baldman Home Brewing and my email is beer best served one word at gmail.com. So I hope you're getting something from these podcasts. If you have any feedback, don't hesitate to email me. I always want to be better at this. Again, a beer is best served when you make it yourself. My advice to you, make it yourself. Fellow home-brewing enthusiast, where do you get your home-brewing supplies? I get mine from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday through Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy. Excellent customer service and a fellow home brewing enthusiast. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it doesn't exist. I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a beer best served podcast sent you. welcome back to a beer best served podcast uh in this segment we're going to be reviewing the Oktoberfest uh by shades on uh beer company uh it's the Oktoberfest lagerfest 2020 it's done by uh, shades on beer company they're located in west kingston rhode island um a very good friend of mine homer cheers to you my friend uh works at that uh brewery and um I've always been very, very impressed with their product. I love uh, their Buffalo Czech uh, Pilsner. I really feel it's probably one of the best Pilsners I have ever had, ever had. And I mean that, ever had. So, And I'm a big Pilsner fan. So we're going to try their Oktoberfest. Really tight foaming. I love it. Oh, my God, it's gorgeous. They got a caramel uh, clarity to it. It's like a caramel-like color to it. Oh, nice little... Nice sweet note. Light sweet. Oh, that's delicious. It's got like a caramelly note to it. Nothing really sweet, but it's got a nice little body to it. Syrupy uh, layer, light syrupy layer on top of my tongue. The aromatics are just fabulous. Bubbles are gorgeous. Really nice. Mm. Nice like bittering on the tip. Uh, good little layering. Ever so slight bitterness on the side of my tongue. Flavor is really well balanced. Cheer on, my friend. That is a really good beer. Shades On did right on that Oktoberfest. Gorgeous. Gorgeously done. Um, so, uh, my relationship with Homer, we used to work together uh, at uh, at our place of business. And I remember... Uh, a few days before, maybe it might have been a couple of weeks before he was actually leaving our company to go work for um, Seitan Brewery. Um, He had told me he was a home brewer. And it was so fascinating because it was like, wow, we developed this home brewing friendship. And then suddenly he is out of my life, which depressed the hell out of me. But we stayed connected with me enticing him to come and visit every now and then because he was part of my My beer club, and ever so faithful, will always be part of my beer club. Um, I've never had the opportunity to make it down to his brewery, and I owe him that. I have a fellow co-worker, Patrick, who now works with Homer down at that brewery, and I owe both of them a trip down to their brewery, so I'm going to have to schedule that. I'm going to have to make that happen. I've always really enjoyed the beers coming out of this brewery. Like I said, I, I, uh, they have a buffalo check, which is their pilsner. And they also have a dried hop um, check, which is just, ooh, it's a pilsner also with dry hopped, um, which is dry hopped and um, really is. Uh, it's got a nice level bitterness to it. And um, it has that sensation. I really enjoy my pilsners, the dryness over the tongue. Um, this lager is a... Uh, Extremely well done. Um, Nice balance. Really clear, consistent balance in that. That flavor has remained um, from first sip to this very last sip. Not the last sip of beer, of course, but uh, last sip. Color gorgeous. I mean, it's a very presentable beer. So one of the things that is happening to me uh, recently that I haven't had an opportunity to speak to, was uh, I kind of messed up (laughs) a schedule of mine for brewing, and it's going to be delayed a week or so. I was going to be um, brewing a chocolate coffee porter tomorrow for Christmas, and um, of course, in all my uh, laziness, craziness, um, uh, approach to things, I forgot to um, do a yeast starter for my A10 Darkness yeast, which I'd like to do for the Pilsner, you know, give it as much chance and as much strength, yeast strength as possible so that it can, um, I, I really feel it was last year's success for Christmas beer. It was the first time I had taken the opportunity to do a yeast starter for my chocolate coffee porter. All previous additions to that didn't have a yeast starter. I would either just use multiple packs of um, the yeast, um, but last year's Christmas Christmas edition had a yeast starter in it, which was probably really what I think set it apart from all previous uh, uh, porters, chocolate coffee porters that I had made in that series. Um, this will be my eighth time making this recipe, and I, you know, I've, I, I love doing it. I love porters, but I, I definitely love this porter. Um, and of course, it, it involved the friendship of uh, my mentor, Bobby G uh long neck and my friend Patrick, uh in which we, you know, design the sugaring and the hop profile to really create a porter that, you know, I'm very proud of. So uh um it'll be delayed a week, but no big deal, right? You can't can't really cry over spilt beer. Well you can cry over spilt beer, <laughs> you can't cry over spilt milk. Um but um yeah, you know you know we'll, What's home brewing, right? Without a few delays, so I'll I'll take it for what it is and and let it happen, uh, let it go on. But Homer, I give your your head brewer a lot of credit for this. Really nice beer. If you guys have an opportunity, I know that usually Oktoberfest are really short lived, but if you do get an opportunity, especially if you're in the New England area and you have access to uh, Shades on. Um, uh, brewery inventory go for it really outstanding brewery it's Oktoberfest is my my favorite Oktoberfest to date um, of course I will tell you I've only had one Oktoberfest <laughs> so it's, it's not fair um, judgment but in years past when I've had Oktoberfest uh, I don't recall them being this well balanced um, nice notes very nice notes nice caramely really nice balance to it. Uh aromatics are very good. Still holding that sweet note. Um, bubbles are still very tight after all this time. Bubbles still look great. Carbonation levels really good. So compliments to you. Really nice. Uh well done. Um I like Oktoberfests that, you know, are drinkable, have a little bite to them definitely has to have, you know, a little uh, bitterness, a caramely note to it. Um, And, um, you know, it has to be a lingering uh, flavor on my palate uh, for me to really enjoy it. I like drinking Oktoberfest pretty much cold and and on on it solo. I don't really have Oktoberfest with any kind of meal. I kind of like have it as a dessert beverage um, uh, or a beverage on its own. I definitely finished this four-pack off quite quickly. <laughs> I I had to, <laughs> when I bought this this uh, four-pack, I'd given one to my, my mentor, Bobby G, and then I had only three left. And I, I, I remember uh, drinking um, two of them very quickly. <laughs> and I had to take the third one and literally hide it on myself and say, okay, listen, you're going to review this one, so hide it. Um, in fact, you know what? reverse that. I had, I had drank one and then I decided I was going to do a recording with my friend Tony when we were brewing the uh rustic french ale uh, ec, uh all grain and that recording came out horrible. I could tell you that it it's you know laggers weren't Tony's favorite beer, but he gave it some good review. Uh, I definitely enjoyed it that time and uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it even better solo now. <laughs> so good on uh shade on shades on uh brewery really well done congratulations to you folks give it a try uh it's during this opportunity that i like to toast the many people that earn uh allowed my podcast to happen and uh, bring it to its fruition first off is of course my wife and then my kids thank you so very much uh for your support um of course my mentor bobby g long neck um Without you, I wouldn't be in this craziness. Uh, Shades on Brewery, thank you for a great beer. And, of course, I just visited them a couple days ago. Uh, My favorite homebrew shop, um, Blackstone Valley um, Brewing Supplies, located in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, um, uh, toast on to you. But thank you guys very much for listening to the podcast. A beer is always best served when you brew it yourself. All right, we're done here. Put the damn thing in a box, tape it up, ship it out. No questions asked. All right? You got a problem with that?